Welcome to a special edition of Arts and Crass. Arts and Crass. The marketplace of ideas. Comedy. The marketplace of ideas. Arts and Crass. In real real time. This is Focus Group. I'm your host, John Stark. With me tonight are local comedian Anil Bandakavi, as well as visiting from Pittsburgh, John Dick Winters and Jesse Irvin. $20 for a fucking Sherlock Holmes t-shirt? You guys are fucking horrible. These are not t-shirts, these are pashmina scarves. Well, they're not for you anyway. These are I don't even want them. I don't even want them. Well, they're a sponsor of my podcast, so thanks to Geekiana. Use the coupon code CRASS to save 20%. This is a Japanese beer. Yeah, that's a Japanese beer, and then we got the local stuff from Summit. Yeah. I have no friends. Well, remember that time uh, that uh, place wouldn't book us because someone said we're racist and misogynist? They, they booked us. Yeah. Did you guys have trouble getting booking for... No, there was, there was one place that said... Yeah, tomorrow. Which <laughs> is a show we have tomorrow. <laughs> which our material is not like that at all. Yeah, uh, absolutely not at all. But uh, someone started a rumor that it was really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and we've been trying to come to go to the bottom of it to where. So we have a show tomorrow in Omaha, mm-hmm. and a good friend of oh, no, good friend is a stretch. I met this guy a couple of times, and he's like, "Hey, man, I want you to know that somebody's going around saying that the race to the coffin comedy tour is homophobic, racist, and misogynistic." And uh, I don't think that's true. I'm, I've seen your comedy. I don't know where that's coming from, but I want you to know there's people going around saying that. I don't know who's exactly saying it. I got it from a third party. But he was concerned, and he was very transparent, very upfront mm-hmm. about it, which I really respected. But yeah, there's someone in the country saying that the Race with Coffee Comedy Tour is a bunch of idiots, racist, misogynistic, homophobic. If they would have said, like, hack bullshit people that shouldn't be on That's tour, totally fair. Totally would take it. <laughs> you really think that? Because I didn't think your stuff was hacked. No, it's no, not, it's but not you have mean. to, like, you have to humble yourself. Well, I'm just saying, if someone thought we were hacked, that's a lot more understandable yeah. than saying that we're racist or homophobic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or anything like that. There's two other guys in the in your, like... Three other three guys. guys. Yeah, three, yeah, oh, I thought there were four of you. Five of us. Yeah, five total. Is it all white guy comedy? All white male, okay. for sure. But no, no, not all white guy comedy. One guy, uh, Alex Tapula, he has, he's very morbid, very dark. He has no agenda whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He, you couldn't label him as anything. The other guy, Tim Ross, is very clever, very likable. Also couldn't label him as anything. The other guy, maybe a little white guy. <laughs> Shannon Norman's Shannon, maybe yeah. a little white guy humor, but like, yeah. but nothing crazy, nothing that would be uh, considered misogynistic or right. anything like that or, or white guy humor or whatever you want to call it. I no. totally get the climate we live in. Like, they're like, you know, five white guys doing comedy. Right. And I totally understand why people are like, oh, we're bored with this. Right. I totally, sure. but, I, but I don't think, like, any of us, like, give off the vibe that, like, you know, we should, we're, we're not, we're yeah. not trying to stop anybody from doing it. We're not trying to prove <laughs> Advertise our point. Advertise yourselves as... Yeah, yeah. Stormfront comedy, racist yeah, yeah. Storm to the coffin. Comedy, yeah, yeah. Well, we've made that joke you've been, before. You've been given that <laughs> one. To the coffin, yeah. Of course, I'm yeah. sure you probably have. So, how long have you guys been doing "Race to the Coffin" as a like a yeah. crew? Because I've seen, 
I have, I did some Googling. I did the bare minimum Googling before you got here, and you... I guess technically it started two years ago. We did a Kickstarter. was the first thing... That's what I saw. It was a Kickstarter link. Yeah. The Kickstarter was the first thing that Race to Comet ever did. So we, we asked people to donate to Kickstarter so we could buy merch and go out on tour. And we asked for $1,200, and that was funded in three days. Nice. It was crazy. It went to 1800 actually. Yeah, nice. well, yeah. I ended up, we ended up pushing it further, toward, toward pushing it more toward the end of it. But, like, we didn't expect to get anything. But we ended up getting uh, more than 150% of our asked goal. And it bought our merch, took us out on tour for the first time. We really learned what we were doing. And, uh, yeah, that kind of launched us, and it really made Race the Coffin to what it is today, which is very mediocre, to be honest. <laughs> but it is something. What do you think about the proposition that, for a lot of us, comedy is our punk rock? That is a valid uh, comparison, for Definitely, sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of punk rock dudes that do comedy now, for sure. There's tons of guys who look like me, but thinner, all over the country uh, doing comedy. Well, that's where John and I came from. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, I, I played in punk bands and toured. And uh, John played he, his band's been tour as much, but like I, I saw the dynamic of everything that happened. You know, like you know, you just email somebody and say, "Hey, I'm doing this thing," right? And uh, I'm coming through wherever Milwaukee, and they right. say, "Hey, we can uh, help you out. We got a guy that'll come out." And uh, that's exactly how Race to the Coffin was born. Jesse came to me. He's like, "I want to tour." I was like, "I want to tour too." We're both terrible comedians. Who cares? Let's just go out and tour. <laughs> And we decided not to do it ourselves. We got uh, our three closest friends in Pittsburgh comedy, uh, Alex Apiller, Tim Ross, and Shin Norman. We had already, the five of us had already kind of made a bond, just naturally through the local comedy scene. So we decided to go on tour together. But like he came to me, and I'd already planned on doing it anyway. And uh, so yeah, we just started booking Race the Cop in the very same way that a punk rock tour would be booked. You just call up somebody and ask for a favor, and that's how we've done it. We've, it's been less than two years, and we've done six tours. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you've come here to our little burg here in Minneapolis. Yeah. Now, you said you would never come back, but we got, just, we got some laughs out of you. So yeah, that was just stupid. We that would just... like you to come back. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, this is a really rad scene. Yeah. Minneapolis is, is, a, is oh, a, it's a, it's a nice compliment. Well, you well, don't have to do that just because I live here. No, Minneapolis is a famous town, especially in the punk rock community. Mm-hmm. Our favorite band comes from Minneapolis. He has friends in Minneapolis from the, that he's known for years. Who's your favorite band? Uh, Dillinger 4. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hence the Dillinger 4 t-shirt. Well, okay. this was a mistake. I didn't mean to wear this today. It was just <laughs> the one I grabbed out of my bag. <laughs> this like was a, a mistake. I feel yeah, like yeah. a fucking asshole. But I There's, wasn't going to put it away and right. get another shirt. It's a great... There's a great music scene in Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis oh, is famous yeah. In, in America for, for being uh, awesome. I feel like Minneapolis doesn't know how famous it is for like a lot of music, though. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, we know what... We know, like, the... What reaches the rest of popular conscious? Yeah, right. We know that we had Prince, and we know that we have the uh, Paisley Park Studio. Yeah, we know that Jimmy Jam and, and Terry Lewis recorded out of here, and we know the replacements come from here. Mm-hmm. But you, most of us, you, you know, you're not going to get somebody who knows that there's a thriving punk scene, or that. Well, yeah, you yeah. know, or that. Uh, Husker Du came from here as well. Or That's uh, definitely a smaller demographic. Off of their heads, and uh, obviously we already mentioned Dylan before. Can we talk about our friend Anil here, who's putting us yeah. up? What's the connection? Because Anil and I know each other from from comedy here in yeah. town, but yeah, we've we've seen each other. I don't know. Jason knows Anil a better than me, so he's probably talking about it. But I know Anil was doing comedy in Pittsburgh for. A year or so, and then he moved to uh, Minneapolis like a douche, and then 
but when we said that we were coming through Minneapolis, he was very uh, stoked to put us up for the night. So That's okay. awesome. So you, wait, Anil, I didn't know you had moved here from, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I lived in Pittsburgh for a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and did comedy there. Yeah. I moved here for work. I right. For comedy, but... Yeah, I was excited, man. These, you know, yeah. uh, a couple of guys I know from Pittsburgh were doing really well in comedy there. Yeah, out, you know, another opportunity to, to drink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's a no, good. No, 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 it's great to great to have them. Yeah, they're funny guys. And and Neil was almost as good at doing drugs as I am. Almost <laughs> as good. I've never done drugs with Neil. It was just sad, and also. That's the one disappointing thing about Jesse and I were talking about earlier, really, just in touring life in general. There's not as much drugs as you would think in the touring life. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad, actually. You know, I'm surprised. I don't have any drugs, unfortunately, other than alcohol. Uh, we did, Jesse and I did mushrooms the other night. Did you? With someone who will remain nameless. Here in Minnesota? You no, it was, in, uh, it was in, in Detroit. Detroit. It was okay. so much fucking fun. And, she, and the person. This is a pretty good she, mushroom town here. Mushroom. Is it? Because yeah. we would like more because it was okay, so much fucking favorite. fun. Yeah. And right. I was I was on the okay, so we're staying this with this friend of ours apartment, and uh, this person was going to sleep on the couch and let Jesse and I sleep in her bed, and I did not want to do that at all. I was like, I'll sleep on the floor. I don't want to sleep next to Jesse at all. But I was tripping hardcore, <laughs> I and I was on the bed like melting into the bed. It was so good, and Jesse just comes in and lays next to me. I'm like, this is the worst. I, I said this audibly. I'm like, what did I say? This is the worst thing that's happened to me. Could you please not lay next to me? This is ruining my drugs. <laughs> and he just fell asleep next to me. It was awful. That's, that's disappointing. The worst thing, though, when he... When I'm, he, so, I'm disappointed. I feel disappointed that, like, you were tripping on mushrooms, that you are having your consciousness expanded, and a dude laying down next to you was too much. I was like, could you just well, not... No, it was just him. I got the, the effects of the mushrooms set in. Right. And I was sitting on the couch with the person we were with, and uh, I, I started getting the effects of it. Everything was great. Then I turned around, and I don't know if you've ever hung out with somebody who always has glasses on. I but, have, yeah. But when you see them with them off, <laughs> and you turn around and they're tripping on mushrooms staring at oh, you, right. like viciously, which right. John. <laughs> and then, oh, which yeah, John, that's right. I took my glasses off. That was off. fucking terrifying. <laughs> Your eyes got smaller. It I didn't like it. Yeah, I took my glasses off and I couldn't see anybody, but, but apparently I was staring at them menacingly. I was just like... <laughs> it was so, staring oh, at them, but yeah. I'm just tripping, looking at blurriness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we were having a good conversation. Uh, the person that I, and then like I look over and I'm like, oh man, uh, <laughs> have you been uh, have you been convicted of other crimes? <laughs> There's a stranger in the room. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know I know you, but I don't know you. Yeah, I forgot that happened. <laughs> it was terrifying. That's terrific. Oh man, it was <laughs> punching the old cerebellum. So my show normally is done as a live podcast. I have comedians come in. I have a little audience come in. And we set up chairs and shit, and, and then they tell jokes. And then oh, you didn't flyer for this one? No, I didn't flyer for this one because I was gonna do the focus group, which is a different edition of the <coughs> podcast where I just sit around and talk in a group. It's a little more chaotic and less yeah, yeah. structured. 
But I do genuinely want to ask you guys about the jokes that I got to see. Okay. Do you okay. guys have like recordings of your jokes anywhere? Or we we uh, raised the coffin. Me, him, and uh, me, Jesse, and the three other dudes. We recorded the DVD a year and a half ago. Okay. We released it last year. Okay. And so it's uh, it's all five of us doing 20, 20 or so minutes. It's like yeah. an hour and forty five. Yeah, long. yeah, that's a good show. So uh, yeah, we we have that, and most of us have abandoned those jokes since then. Okay. I think I think most of us have moved on from for the vast majority. But yeah, we, we have that within. We're also on YouTube, most of us. There we were, also have a website. You each had a joke tonight that I really wanted to talk about more. Okay. Your snake bit was super funny because oh, you thanks, had a man. good run on that, and that was really. And it got weird. It got weird in a yeah. really good way. I really like that. <laughs> thanks, and man. then your, uh, your joke about suicide, I think that's a really good story, and I want to ask more about that sure. because it's something that's happening. So. Uh, you don't have to do the bit right now, I'm but snake bit. I'm pee. but the snake bit, <laughs> you just start talking about how weird snakes are, <laughs> and then and then you the next thing you're robbing a bank with snakes. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of a thought. I've always had a general like I I don't have a lot of fears. Yeah, yeah. But I've been terrified of snakes my whole life. Okay. Because uh, my I remember this. Uh, That's this, one of the primal the, ones. The fondest memory I have. Uh, of my father growing up, which uh, he built me a sandbox. Okay. And, uh, oh no. Yeah, like he built me a sandbox in the backyard, and I was so stoked to go play in it. I was like probably four or five years old, and there was a bucket in it. And then he threw the bucket in the sandbox, and uh, I went to the sandbox to play. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Got my right. own box, bro. Right. What's up? You know? And I lifted up that bucket, and there was a fucking snake under it. Was it just a garter snake? It was, it was I mean, garter talking, snake, yeah. Okay. But in but my still, mind at that time, but you're like, it, it was what, the one five, from... six? Yeah, it was the snake from Conan that like, right, James Earl Jones turns into. <laughs> it was fucking ridiculous. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that, from that point in my life, it made, made me just terrified of snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking am scared of them. And then as I got older and uh, got in my teen years, I knew a couple of people who, like, I smoked a lot of pot. Right. In my teen years, so I knew people who had snakes, like as pets. Oh, right. And I fucking right. realized, like... Because, of course, your dealer has snakes. Well, they right. do. They're the worst. <laughs> they fucking, they're terrible fucking people. They know people. about lamps. I don't care. I like their drugs. they know how to keep things warm, yeah. and they know how to raise I like their drugs. Party. I hate their Metallica shirts, and I hate their fucking snakes. That's what I hate. <laughs> but no, like, uh, no, it was just, it's always been a fear. Like, there's always a guy with a snake in his house. And, like, I remember this one time specifically when I was uh, I was smoking weed at this guy's house when I was, like, 17 years old. And everybody else is having a great time conversing. And I'm just looking at this tank like, dude, there's a fucking snake in there. Is anybody else aware <laughs> of this? Get out. Like, there is a fucking, that's a python. <laughs> right. And it just terrifies me, man. And that's kind of what brought that bit about. Like, you know, I... How weird is it that they slid? They chose to slither. Well, how weird is it you just put a deadly animal in your fucking house? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was upsetting because the guy gave you five seconds. What? Yeah, yeah, that guy. You showed me that's a real thing that happened. That he said. He said you've got about five seconds when I open the tank to throw the mouse in. Right. Well, yeah. Well, the thing about that is, like, I learned after that is, like, if you don't expand like a snake's uh, environment, they'll get angry. Oh, obviously, because what they, a surprise! Yeah, because they can't grow. Like snakes are, they're supposed to grow, <laughs> right? But they can't grow with their oh, environment. No. So, like, 
basically you have to have like an an outdoor pool for your snake eventually. Like, okay, you know, like you have to expand it to that oh. eventually because okay, it, it's just you have to be willing and, to turn your house and there's those people who get that one tank and they're just like they get like a fish tank with no water right. and they put a snake in it and they're like no it's fun and then they wonder why it's like you know biting their wrist off every time they drop a mouse in right it. oh my god and then from there it's just a simple. Make them up to go from like. I'm well, no, robbed. I thought about I it. would rob a bank with snakes. Well, I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, because scarier. like, yeah, it, 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 it's a concept. I'm like, dude, I hate snakes so much. I'm pretty sure a lot of other people hate snakes too. <laughs> they do so so much. if you walk into a bank just own a bunch of snakes, like people are going to submit to you instantly. Yeah, like, that's really you throw bad. them in a bank, you're cutting into the IRAs at that point. That, yeah, like, you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you and the, the uh, local comics who do listen to the show, high local comics. What it felt like to me, especially as you started in on the run, where you're throwing the snakes around, you're taking over the bank, it's your bank, you're getting pizza. As that run built up, that's a really cool It's funny that you mentioned that, John, because joke. that's the, the most uh, animated I've ever seen him do that joke. Oh, really? This, this joke has been a struggle for Jesse for, for three months now. Oh. Because it's a great joke, but like... So one part will get good, then the other part will be bad, or like he just can't like get the whole thing. But tonight he really just kept elevating it and elevating it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I told him after after his set, I was like, "That's the best." The way he elevated the end of that joke and kept going, pushing yep. it, yeah. with the energy, yeah. the excitement. I'm like, "That's the best ending I've seen to that joke." And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly I think how the joke probably should be done. Where it just builds momentum just on it. Just going, going, because it's such a ridiculous. How do you feel about that kind concept? of feedback? No, it feels good. Like, okay. when, uh, it, it, it's good to get genuine feedback for people because a lot of times when uh, a lot, lot of times, times good you just set, get man. that. You, yeah, you get that thing where you get off stage, you know, you know, you didn't get a lot of good laughs, right? And you get off, and everybody's like, you're like looking at your friend, and like they're just like they make eye contact with you, and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna get a beer. <laughs> so it's cool. good to get feedback. Like yeah, that. yeah. It, it actually is. Uh, criticism is a good thing in comedy. Like a lot of people don't understand that. No, they don't want that. And there's a lot of people who don't understand how to take criticism. Right. And uh, it's really good to get feedback like that. But uh, for the record, I fucking hate John. Okay. And uh, all his opinions. All right. Well, it's recorded now. So. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I do want to say that snake joke, like I, you said, was genius, and I feel it was so complex that you know, it, it was it was longer than you'd actually presented it because every point was actually had a lot of weight to it. Like the joke I felt oh, thanks, was a very good joke. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it actually, it like you know, every I, I think every punchline in there has a lot of time to, to sort of sink in and, and it is a very funny joke. Yeah. I haven't jerked off in like eight days. I'm yeah. going to do it to all these comments. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, you, can rec- you can listen to this recording and get your fill. <laughs> Plus, plus, if you try to rob a bank with snakes, I think you can get through. <laughs> no, I'm really today's, sure. You in can. today's day and age, where people are hypersensitive about weapons, you just come with a bag yeah, yeah. of snakes. Yeah. Snakes are weird. Though. Yeah, My but, friend Andrew Sahak, who has been on this show and is a really cool guy, he was just tweeting something. I think he tweeted about it. He said, "Like, how weird is it that snakes come out of eggs? Exactly. Like, you could bring on, you could bring eggs into your house, and then all of a sudden." baby snakes everywhere. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it blows my mind. The, the, a lot of that bit came out of, like, I talked to my friends in high school yeah. about having snakes, but, like, a lot of that bit came to me uh, from watching uh, 
I think it was like a National Geographic special on snakes. I'm just like watching them. I'm like, why? Why are they a thing? Like everything else has legs. Like everything else like has right. to has to challenge itself to kill another thing. Snakes are just like, now nah, we're just gonna wait around. We're now. gonna wait. We're gonna go slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of us will be. We might be in a tree. Sometimes we'll oh, be somewhere God. else. My mother's family comes uh, was Baptist missionaries in Burma, and mm. they have a story in their family about the crate. Or the krite. It's a very deadly snake. It's like the mamba or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a deadly snake. And they have a story about uh, my uncle being in like his bassinet. Their mom comes in, picks up the uncle, my uncle David, and carries yeah. him out of the room and like snake drops from the rafters <laughs> ah. into his bassinet, into his cradle, like a three month old baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have been bitten to death by a snake. What if you had your baby bitten to death by a snake? What? <laughs> That's terrible. I had one. I delivered uh, oxygen to like people with like you know that needed oxygen for a long time. Okay, like medical. Like, oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you meet a lot of like people with a lot of different lifestyles. And I met this one guy one time. He was like, so no- you were an oxygen dealer, basically. I was. I was an oxygen dealer. <laughs> this is a snake-related story. Okay. But like, I went to this guy's house and like uh, a guy told me about. It. He's like, hey, this guy's a little weird. He's going right. to want you to come to his basement and, like, check out all his stuff. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Oh, and okay. when you're in customer service, you know, you show up, you got to, like, go down there. I knock on the guy's door, and I'm like, hey, I got your stuff. He's like, all right, you're a new guy. I want you to come down and check this stuff out, like okay, the guy upsetting. said before. Yeah, yeah, I was very creeped out about it. And I get down there, and he has all this stuff, like, covered up. Like, you know you cover up, like, a Corvette or something, like a classic right, car? Right, right. Or something like that? Nah. I get down to the basement, and this guy just whips the cloth off like this. I didn't know what was under the cloth. He whips it off. Not a Corvette. It was just uh, taxidermy rattlesnakes oh, no. in, in the striking pose. Oh, no. <laughs> well, like, if you're going to taxidermy rattlesnake, you have to do it. In yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. terrified. I'm just yeah. like, man, don't, don't show this to me. You didn't ask me if I like this or not. Like, why would the fuck would you show this <laughs> to me? Let me show you one of like, humanity. I, I'm going to have the heart attack fears. in your house, and you're on auction. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking terrible. That never. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, you could build all of these things into this bit. Have you talked about your dad on stage at all? Oh, about, about, about being upset. No, I mean about just the specific thing about having. Oh yeah, yeah. Fun of your sandbox stolen away from you by a snake. It's a matter of building it up. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Did your dad get mad at you for that, or how did he? No, react? the snake was pissed because I took his bucket oh, off. All right. Okay. <laughs> was he like tender toward you? Or I don't remember at all. Oh, okay. Actually, okay. I just remember there's a snake, and I didn't like sandboxes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the same thing. I have a. I, I still get weary when I see sand. It's I have weird. the same I thing about memory. spiders. Have you ever heard that people say that you know you're either scared of snakes or spiders? You know. I haven't heard that. Yeah. It makes sense though because yeah. I'm not that scared of snakes. Yeah. There, there's a level of spiders I can take. Yeah, really. I don't care yeah. about spiders. Yeah. Oh, you get to that weird point of spiders where they they have fur on them and like they can they well, can do fur, other stuff. Right. The hair yeah. is fucked up, or the fact, or the ones that can like the hair that irritates you. Like if it yeah. touches your skin, you get a yeah. rash. You could throw a thing. twenty daddy long legs on me and. Like whatever. Oh, my <laughs> limit is one daddy long. Yeah, legs. well, no, Absolutely. I'm serious. But like, once they start getting yeah. like, like legs like to the diameter of a straw, yeah, and like oh, they get a little terrifying. furry, I'm just like, yeah, we have wolf being spiders. Weird. <laughs> I grew up in Western Dakotas, and we had wolf spiders. Oh, which those are, are gross. Big ass. Yeah, yeah. Up north, and then we also had black widows, which are really upsetting because it's a poisonous. I knew a guy that got bit by a black widow, and he had really to wear, he had to wear like a knee brace for like. 
for like four I months. I believe it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. shit will mess you yeah, up. Yeah, it just paralyzes like your yeah. meat and your legs. Yeah. Like it destroys everything. Or the yeah. things about brown recluse spiders. Have you heard about yeah, those? Yeah, where oh, it's they're like terrible you too. Get yeah. like giant. Maybe I think it was a brown recluse actually. Oh, yeah. That guy I knew got bit by. Yeah, it paralyzed like. Like, literally, like, the nerves and the meat is calf. Yeah. Like, he couldn't yeah. walk for, like, four months. Yeah. You were introduced as John Dick Winters. Mm-hmm. Is that your full name, and do you prefer to be called John Dick? Well, I don't prefer to be called it, necessarily. I just, uh, my name is John Richard Winters, and I, okay. I, started, I decided to go with John Dick after about a year of comedy because of Jonathan Winters. Oh, yeah. And, so yeah. I don't want that comparison because he's a legend and amazing. And also, I couldn't go with Dick Winters because of the Band of the Bro- Band of Brothers guy. And John Dick Winters sounds like a serial killer, which I like a lot. <laughs> or an assassin. Like a serial killer, yeah. It was funny, that just came up today with um, Anil's friend Ali. Uh, we were at the Acme Comedy mm-hmm. Club, the open mic earlier, yeah. and Jesse and I were on the, on the top five. And it said John Dick Winters, and he had thought that was just some hack guy who like, Oh, I'm going to create a funny name. Call himself Dick. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, that's me. I consider myself a semi-serious comedian, and that's just actually my name. (laughs) 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 And no, I I decided to go with John Dick Winters as opposed to John Richard Winters because it is mildly funny. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but it's mostly because of the fact that John uh, John Jonathan Winters is is a very prominent, famous comedian. Do you do you like Jonathan Winters? I mean, how could you not? I I mean, he's. Uh, insane and bipolar and yeah, uh, right. a master improviser and a lot of people who are my age or younger don't know who he is I'm, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I was super familiar with his work right. but I know how significant he is in the comedy right. world John you had a bit tonight about suicide that both talks that's an older bit you said and then you brought in a new experience so do you want to tell that to people I mean I'm not asking you to tell the bit yeah, well, well, it's it's, it's kind of a well. I have a, I have a, a suicide chunk and uh, just a couple of jokes on about suicide, whatever. And uh, I used to have a joke when I first started comedy. I was very preachy, like I, I'm very influenced by the comedians who like uh, have something to say, like uh, the Carlins and of the world or whatever. So what I when I first started comedy, I often had something to say but had no punchline. And so I wrote this joke about how I thought suicide wasn't selfish. I don't think it's an inherently selfish act. And it was a good thought, but not a necessarily funny joke, mm-hmm. and which was the problem with my comedy a lot in my, my, my first year or so. And um, so that, that, that joke got put on the back burner, but when Robin Williams passed away, um, hung himself, I reposted this joke about how I didn't think suicide was selfish. I reposted it to Reddit, and it blew up. I posted it, a bunch of other people posted it, it just went viral and all over the country, all over the world rather. It just basically boils down to this thought that suicide isn't selfish and that it's not an inherently be, selfish. You're act. being a dick And I think the people who that. say it's selfish are in fact the ones who are being selfish. That's yeah. that's that's the that's the that's the joke. Um, so that went all over everywhere and it was it was pretty crazy to get that kind of attention or whatever for for a joke that I'd written years before. But something happened uh, less than a week ago where uh, a young woman in Australia had committed suicide and she included my joke in her suicide note. And I found this out because her brother uh, tweeted at me and her mother sent me a Facebook message um, about... They sent me both... Well, the brother sent me a mildly sarcastic tweet and then the mother called, sent me a message saying that I was an idiot and that her my moronic post was left with her daughter's suicide note. 
What was kind in, of tweet did he say? Like, it, it, cool it said, story, bro. No, it, it tweeted my picture, which was more publicity for me, which is yeah. stupid on his part. It okay. said, my little sister committed suicide this week, and she included your joke in her suicide note, period, thanks, exclamation point, <coughs> exclamation point. Uh, which was, you know, because yeah, that's how that's my joke... very passive That's how the written joke ends, with yeah. the thanks, exclamation point. That's yeah. how it actually ends. So he was parroting, uh, parroting my, uh, my joke itself, and it, it was just mildly sarcastic. Like, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, I feel like the, the girl, I don't know the story, I don't know who she is, I feel you don't like have responsibility to her though. You no, no, I feel zero responsibility about her death, but I feel like she included the joke because she was in a way kind of trying to defend herself, telling her family that this is not a selfish decision. This is not about you. This yep. is about me, and that's the end of it. And uh, I think her family interpreted my inclusion of the joke um, as they saw me as an easy scapegoat. But obviously, it was just a very emotional reaction because I got one very lazy tweet, one very lazy Facebook message, and that's been the end of it. So obviously, that they came to the conclusion, or, or I'm assuming they came to the eventual conclusion that their daughter's suicide was a tragic thing in and of itself and has literally nothing to do with me. Yeah. But in that first day or two, they were in grief and they they felt yeah. like they probably to feel at least slightly better to, to tell me to fuck off. Which is fine. I totally agree with that. I totally understand that that point of view. Telling? Did they actually tell you to fuck off? No, that sounds no, like a very no, 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 no. I feel like, like I said, the brother sent me a mildly sarcastic tweet, yeah. which I feel like his way of telling me to fuck off. And the mother called me an idiot and called my 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 joke moronic. Because so I feel like that was her way of telling me to fuck off. But no, they were like I said. I was uh, and the, the, what I'm talking about on the stage is how disappointed I am in their anger. And their and their outlash towards me, I feel like they could have been a lot more intense. <laughs> like they could blame you for their daughter's death. Yeah, like if you're gonna get at me, get at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so I I uh, I really admired it because I felt like the audience really went with you. And when I've written suicide material, nobody's come along. And it's really weird that people want to have comedy that because I don't think I'm particularly edgy. I don't. I don't think so. I have, not in this suicide bit, I have material that crosses boundaries, but whatever, the, the, it, it seems like people would want to explore that territory further. Have you they ever come with you. Have you ever years. considered yourself a suicidal person? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have as well. Yeah. And I feel like it wasn't until, like, depression is a semi-new thing for me. Depression mm. happened after, depression and anxiety happened after I started doing stand-up comedy. Okay. Um, I've, had a, I've had a pretty tumultuous past year and a half, and so all that stuff is kind of new to me, so I started writing material that was a little different, or a little, the perspective is coming from somebody who maybe has had those thoughts, and I feel like that's why the, the they're funny jokes... And they're and they have they share a little bit of insight with people who have those feelings. I feel like that's why the audience comes with me, as opposed to somebody who's just clearly doing a suicide joke for the sake of doing a suicide uh, joke. Yeah. It's a very um, taboo topic. It it's, is. It's considered it's one of those easy things that you can just like oh slip my make a bad joke or a, yeah. or a lazy joke, but I feel like um, my jokes come out of a semi real experience like some of it is real some of it's made up obviously like any other set of jokes but I feel like the audience comes with me because I, I because there's a realness to them because I've experienced those thoughts yeah. and those feelings and um like I have a joke about finding a suicide book online and that book absolutely exists now I've twisted that bit 
to be, you know, the three ways to be to be, to be, to yeah. be very jokey, but it's a very real thing. There's right. an actual, there's an actual, there's plenty of How cultures. To. Yeah, there's a very, there's plenty of cultures in the world who don't look so shamefully on suicide the way that America does. And I've done a lot of, re- I've done a lot of reading. I found a lot of comfort in that reading, just having those thoughts because you have those thoughts and like you're already depressed, you're already suicidal. And then you have these thoughts, and then it makes you feel worse, <laughs> like because you, you're like, oh, I want to kill myself. Then you feel like a fucking moron because you're like you feel like you're you're making your problems worse than what they really are. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in plenty of cultures, suicide is a lot. Of, maybe not a noble thing. Maybe certain societies think that it is a noble thing, but it's definitely not looked down upon that the way it is in America. Like America has a very negative approach to suicide. That's why there's twice as many suicides in America as there is murders. People don't realize that. 40,000 people a year in America commit suicide, and only 20,000 people are murdered. So I, I used to make the argument, if we could just get the people who are going to commit suicide or going to murder, murder the people who are going to commit suicide anyway, we could help those statistics we out a problem lot better. solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good joke right there. What uh, Have you had losses to suicide? Not, not on a deep level. No, okay. not someone super close to me. I've had friends of friends or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I would be the person in my family, in my circle, who's going to, who is the front runner for who's suicide. Who's the most um, likely to commit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I haven't had a super close loss to mine. I dated a girl in, in junior high whose father committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I've, I mean, just like anybody in America, you've been exposed to it. You have a friend, you have a brother. Who fucking yep. knows? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I don't think you have to have a, a super close loved one to commit suicide to have a perspective on it. Yeah, I and agree. Just having a suicidal thought, which I've had, which most comedians have had, right. most people have had, I like to think, uh, gives you a certain amount of perspective on it. So, yeah, that, that's where my perspective comes from. Not from living, losing someone super close, mm-hmm. but I definitely, just like anybody else, have experienced it in some way or another. How far did you go with your suicidal thought? Like, did you go into ideation at all? Like, No, uh, just like going through really rough times and leaning on people that I care about, being like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I went to the point where I told them, like, I was missing a lot of work. I don't work anymore. Uh, but I met, I was missing so much work. I texted my boss like, "Listen, I I wake up in the morning and I just call off work because I can't get out of bed because I want to just die." Yeah. <laughs> I texted my boss, who's also a close friend of mine, and uh, that's as far as I've gotten was mm-hmm. expressing to an employer slash friend, which is a, which is a huge boundary to cross, like that that much of a personal line to tell my boss like, "Listen, I can't come to work because I'm yeah. so fucking depressed. I want to yeah. die." And that's I just a like, big, to get a little bit of empathy, I was looking for the empathy myself. Like I big was just vulnerability. Like, was de- yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a huge boundary for me to cross. Like that and texting like friends or whatever. Not Jesse because he's a piece of shit and doesn't care. But like wow. other people who are actually friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how we communicate. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, that's as far as I've been. Like I've never right attempted now. suicide. Okay. I no. feel like I'm in a lot better yeah. place now. I've, this past couple of months have been a lot better for me. But like I've gotten to the point where I've texted friends like I'm really mm-hmm. on the edge of of yeah, doing something yeah. very bad, and I have kids, and that's not okay. Like, I feel like if it wasn't for the fact that I have kids and I love them very much and they love me, but like I wouldn't. I I don't know where I'd be emotionally or intellectually or or uh, right now. I, I don't know. If, I don't even want to ponder it. But like the, those two, my kids have have anchored me to be a little more stable than maybe I would be on my own. I think I might be dead if I didn't have kids. Yeah. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that sometimes. Who doesn't have kids? See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, how old are your kids? Can I ask? 
I have an eleven-year-old twin daughters. Oh, that's wicked cool! I have, yeah, they're awesome. I have a twelve-year-old daughter. They're complete assholes. Twelve-year-old daughters and a seven-year-old son. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a, a hell of a thing to have tween daughters, isn't it? I mean, it is. they're the yeah. I, every I, emotion in the world happens with those girls. I have a, I have some material that I've been working on. Yeah, uh, that I didn't do tonight. It's a little rough. Uh, I used when I first started doing comedy, I had these very mean jokes, mean spirited jokes about not wanting kids, hating my kids, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I got compared to Louis C.K. That's over a Louis and over thing. and over right. and over That's, again. Wow. So I abandoned it completely because the worst thing you want as a new comedian is to be compared to the best comedian ever in the like, world. Like, yeah. So I, that, I abandoned. It. I kept saying, I kept hearing, even though there were real emotions that I had and real thoughts that I had, and there were personal experiences. People kept telling me, I want to know what that's all about. Yeah. People kept telling me, like, oh, you're just Louis C.K. I just saw yeah. that band all that stuff. No, now, I'm, just, I'm genuinely experiencing this. Yeah, but now I'm a more confident comedian, and I feel like I'm, I'm able to talk yeah. about my kids again. So this is just a, I didn't talk about it tonight, but there's a more recent thing where I'm talking about my children again. Okay. Is that uh, is that the names that you have tattooed on? Yeah, I have my daughter's names on my knuckles. Aislinn and Gwenevere. Aislinn and Gwen. Let's read that. You'll get it. Non-podcast related. All right. There's a horrible comedian in Pittsburgh that is genuinely disliked by everybody. He's very hacky. He's one of the people who came out of the Howard Stern crew. You ever have a Howard Stern fan comedian who just thinks like saying things like, like uh, what's one of his sayings? Uh, cunt muffin. Cunt muffin. Or pussy snot, like those kind of phrases to him are the funniest thing, the funniest you can get. And oh, like, yeah, you can be exciting. a disgusting, you can be a Jim Norton, but that that's very difficult to walk that line. Yeah, but Jim Norton's comes from a genuine place. I understand that. And yeah. He's funny. But yeah. Yeah, and but, he's funny. So, but you, you get these guys who are Howard Stern fans who are just trying to be shock comedians. They're trying to be a shock comedian, just like Howard Stern was a shock DJ. He invented that genre. But the problem with that, like, they're so unfunny and they're just so. Oh, that's sad. completely oblivious to how unfunny they are. Oh, that's sad. So there's a guy that who who literally doesn't come around the Pittsburgh scene anymore because of what he's so hated and ostracized. And uh, it's just we we Jesse and I, uh, uh, several of us get a lot of fun still follow, following him on Facebook, seeing all the horrible things that he says and posts. Oh. They're like that in every comedy scene. Those guys, you know. Sure, absolutely. And they 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 provide us with a great deal of entertainment, even though they probably shouldn't. I think it's probably a fear for men, particularly in every comedy scene. Am I that guy who who fits whatever niche it is? Right. Our our good friend Tim Ross, who's also part of the Red Sea yeah, Comedy right. Tour, made a joke about me a few uh, weeks ago. What did he say? He said, uh. Hey, here's my imitate or what do you say? Yeah, he's like my here's, impression of John's comedy. Here's my impression of John's comedy. Uh, hey, are there any liberal feminists in the crowd that I can alienate and uh, pander to in the same set? Because <laughs> <laughs> all the rest of the comedy guys get on me for trying to be like this proselytizing yeah. kind of comedian. Yeah, yeah which they're not wrong. <laughs> no, like I'm inspired by the comedians who have something to say. And uh, I'm not good at it, but I try to be. <laughs> I try to be. So they give me shit fucking constantly. And I have these jokes that, like, uh, sometimes I write jokes that are like, 
I've been I've been told I'm a feminist comedian. I've been told I'm a misogynist comedian. Like it's just back and forth. I don't. I haven't even decided what my voice is yet. But like, yeah. I get shit all the time from my I friends. I don't think that's a decision one makes. Exactly. Right? No, that's a good. That's a good point. No, it's not a decision. But, but, but I haven't. But I haven't figured it out yet. Is the point? And I'm I'm very aware of that. I'm very comfortable in that. But my friends in comedy uh, like to make fun of me as often as possible. Oh, I love it for being some fucking pretentious idiot who's preaching to a crowd and I have an open mic with four people. <laughs> so we have, we probably do have a few listeners in Australia. Is there anything about the people in, that you interacted with in Australia that you would want yeah, totally. to address to our Australian listeners? I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I totally you get, get why they're mad at you. I get the relief of having an immediate oh, scapegoat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, who knows why the young woman committed suicide? Did you ever expect that you would be in, no, you in don't the write same breath as, as Judas Priest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I that's fucking funny. I'll write that down. All right, go ahead. That's, uh, your, that's, that's yours. That'll be the bit that's tomorrow. Yours. <laughs> No, you don't write jokes like that no, thinking that there's going to be repercussions. And sometimes right. what your words have repercussions. But, like, you know, I understand why in the grieving process why it's very easy to label a scapegoat. It's yeah. very, it has to relieve some tension. I would imagine if you're a parent who lost a child to suicide, and I hope I never experienced that, but I would be blaming myself immediately. But if I had any alleviation of that, if I could place the blame on anything Anyone else, else, I'd be thrilled yeah. to do it just to disillusion myself just yeah. like the parents did with Judas Priest or whatever it is. Whatever the fucking scapegoat would be. If you want to find a fucking no-name comedian in America to place yeah. the blame on. And if it gives you any... If it makes you sleep better that night, that's fine with me. That's total, yeah. I totally get it. But I think... I, I know in my heart that that girl uh, was... Think, I, I looked at her Twitter... And she had been posting oh, things oh, about man. clinical depression for yep. a long yep. time. Mm-hmm. This is not a new problem. Right. It's certainly uh-huh. not a problem that That's I always created. The best. And when they're like, oh, what happened? Yeah. No, so, I'm not saying it's not, it's not a problem that her parents words. created, but yeah. I know that I didn't create it. But no. if she found any comfort in what I said, if she tried to use my words to maybe have her family understand, I. I'm not going to go as far as to say that I feel good about it, but I certainly don't feel bad about it. No. And it is kind of empowering to have a thought like that, a thought that a lot of people have, but I was able to word it in a, in a, hu- a mildly humorous way yeah. that made it palatable. In a humane to, way, yeah, too. Yeah, and I made it palatable to a, a lot of people. That's It's quite the amazing feeling, but it certainly wasn't an intention. Yeah. Yeah, let's <laughs> like, be honest, there are no listeners in Australia. No one's listening. No, no, no. We do have listeners. I'm not joking about that. We had Will Anderson on the show. So, how is the tour going? It goes back to what I said right at the start, where we were talking about whether this is our punk rock or not. Mm-hmm. You said it yourself. You've been at it for about three years. How long have you been doing it? Uh, same time. Him and I you guys came up together. Same so, time, yeah. and like you just said, fuck it, let's go on tour. Now there are comedians just like a little older than our generation or have been doing it for you know a few years longer who would say don't do this don't do that don't come out with your first album until x number of years don't record anything keep your shit off of youtube don't you know don't try to be a a star before you're ready but you're fucking booking stuff because because why because that's the mentality that we grew up with yeah. as kids. We just saw it happening as punk rock bands. It's not about yeah. ability. It's not about right. talent necessarily. I mean, that might come later. 
but it's about the experience. It's about live doing it now. Because yeah. why not? It's yep. fun. It's you're only living. You know, I'm only gonna live till maybe I'm fifty. So, <laughs> so just like experience it now and have a lot of fun. So, so Jesse came to me, and I'd already had the same ideas. And like I said, he and I come from a semi-similar background. And we're like, yeah, let's just go out on tour. We've we've been doing comedy for a whole year. We have eight <laughs> minutes of material. Who gives a shit? So we went out, and that because it's all it's just all about the experience. It's not necessarily about a career. If a career comes from it later, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's not the goal. Like I would love to make a living in comedy, and that's definitely a goal. But to like be famous, like that doesn't matter. There's plenty of people who are in the country doing exactly what Jesse and I are doing. But you're not you're not not making a living in comedy, right? You're living, and you're not doing anything else. Right, like you don't. Well, he has a job. I don't. Okay, have a job. but you're not going from here to Omaha. You're gonna work like a day laborer job down once you get to Omaha. I mean, no, no. And then, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. I like, mean, you're not. Do, it, it's definitely a free time thing. We do it like uh, okay. two or three times a year. But it's okay. like, uh, it, it is different. Like a lot of comedians approach things different. Like you have your club comics who like you, yep. you got to work the clubs. You got to do this, which is respectable. Whatever. Right. Do that. And that's that's the way you chose. But uh, John and I just kind of decided, like, hey, let's just go on the road and uh, figure it out on the road. That's what we're going to do. And uh, you just, if you just email enough people, they'll believe that you do comedy. And they'll let you come to their venue. I think you might be right about that. <laughs> well, there's that. Well, the first story we booked because is... Because the, the bookers at, like, you're not getting booked at Acme. You're getting booked at the Monday Night Comedy Show, yeah. which is better for you guys anyway right yeah. now, right? I mean, well, it's, it's, a a weirder, thing, it's a yeah. weirder show. It's underground. It's Well, okay, so there's been a progression. So this is our sixth tour in just under two years. So yeah. the first tour, we did ten days. It was all five of us. And we learned. I, I, I'm the guy who did books on the tours. So I learned an enormous amount from that first tour. So the first tour was very punk rock. It was very like a lot of living rooms, a lot of mm-hmm. offbeat fucking shows. No one knew who we were. Did you open? For, did you guys open for any any? Not really. Shows no, no, it's like no, no, no. We were no, because you it was, bring a full show. Yeah, it was the five of us. So yeah, yeah. That, so that's one thing we learned. Don't travel with five people. That's obnoxious. Really? Um, yeah. So in so in the next year, I had done some comedy festivals. And I had met some other people. So the second the next year was a lot easier to book a tour. So this time around. Uh, two years in, I wanted to, we booked 17 days. It took me two weeks to book 17 days, which is no time at all. I mean, there are some loose ends. Right, because these are one-nighter days. They're one-nighters. Right. People know who I am. People know who race. Even if they don't know us personally, they've heard of us. Like, there's an underground national comedy scene. We're very much a part of it. So people just know who we are. So we have this... This uh, pre-existing reputation, yep. uh, with the exception of the one show with the misogynist racist thing, which is horseshit. But for the most part, people are very, uh, very accommodating and want to give us shows. Okay. So tonight, Andy uh, was very happy to put on a show. That happens all the time. So we're at the point. Any one of us on the Race to the Coffee Comedy Tour can just say, "Hey, we're the Race to the Coffee Comedy Tour. We will let's come do a show." And most people are very hospitable because they, they there's 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 a, there's an existing ethos. That is attached to us already, and that's just from fucking going out and doing it. It's not from yeah anything else. See, I hope fucking Minneapolis comedians are listening to this. That's what I want because there are guys in our seems like they're already doing that. 
Some of them are. Yeah. Some of yeah. them aren't. And some of them who are not ready, a new idea. Some no. of them who are ready to do that need to. I think people just have that thing in their head where you got to go do clubs. You got to yeah. do this. You got to work fine. your if way up. If that's the, the route you want to do, system. Yeah. The yeah if you want to do that route, go, go do that route. I mean, I would love to work our local club, and I feel like I, I have the material to do it, but I probably never will. Well, the thing is, too, with doing clubs, too, like if you're going to do the club scene, you're going to go do, you know, get hired at whatever funny place in Kentucky or whatever. You have to adhere to your comedy, and you have to almost have to dumb it down sometimes. Because okay. you have, like, I don't want to say generic crowds, but you have more broader crowds. You're working a weekend at the club, so you have to, like, almost centralize your material to make it just so broad. You There's know? only a few clubs in the country where you can, like, completely be yourself well, that's and the thing. get paid... Thousands of dollars. That's the thing. We, I, of my goal with comedy is... Hundreds. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a, that's the thing is I'm selfish. And right. I'm like, I want people to see my comedy. Okay. I don't. I don't want people to come out to just a marquee that says comedy night. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to dumb my material down or change it for yeah. an audience. I want an audience to come see me. You know, versus. Yeah. It's that thing about like you do it for as many people as you can, and like yeah. one person clicks. Mm -hmm. The next time you come through, it might be four. People. Every tour's gotten easier and, and got more has people. It? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it sounds like a selfish thing, which it is. Okay. But it's like, you know, I, I just... But it's I, a more I, gratifying thing. Yeah, I love the art. I love stand-up. I've loved stand-up my whole life. And uh, I have a true passion for it. And I know exactly where I stand in it. Like, you know, I'm not... If you take out the desire of money in stand-up, it's, it's very easy to do what Justin and I are doing with the rest of the Coffee Comedy members are doing. It's not about mm -hmm. money at all. It's just about if we can make if we can break even and pay for guys and food, which we've yeah. we've done pretty successfully. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Or very little money out of our pockets. Then you then that's how you gain integrity. That's how you gain experience. That's how you gain fans over the long run. So maybe five or ten years from now, race to the coffin is something that people will pack out theaters to see. Who fucking knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you keep doing it. I think I figured it out, though, where you got the reputation for being racist. You've got a mild Pennsylvania accent, <laughs> so the words squish together just a little bit. Race to the coffin. Yeah. The faster you say that, it racist the sounds like racist coffin. <laughs> racist coffin. <laughs> racist oh, coffin, which is upsetting. Um, maybe we want the racist to be in the coffin, though. Maybe we're very yeah. liberal. Yeah, here right. we're very progressive. Really I can tell that you're liberal, though. I can tell that. That's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I'm a, I'm a straight white man. I have to. I think a lot of people have trouble saying we're liberal <laughs> people because I notice a lot of like liberal comedians who are totally white people mm. who and I notice like our shoulders aren't dislocated from patting ourselves on the right? back <laughs> being liberals and I, I think there's a lot of people out there who like who like pride themselves especially in the bigger city comedy scenes like they're just like look at how good we're doing we're so nice to everyone and it's like yeah but you can do that without bragging about it have yeah. you guys like, run into Minnesota nice yet no. Have you run into it yet? Was it? Minnesota nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're real friendly. We're real yeah, yeah. nice to you, but we're, we're real reluctant to be tr truthful or really honest. Yeah, it's very really similar to the stuff. In the moment. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. similar to the stuff. Yeah, except, except some of the stuff that we do. Like, when I talk to Southerners who come up here, they don't 
they feel uncomfortable. They're yeah. they're like, there's something off about you people. <laughs> you don't and mind if I hang this Confederate flag up while we talk? Because like. we're it's because we're patting ourselves on the back. I'm yeah. a white liberal guy, and we are the am worst too. human beings sometimes. <laughs> we're really awful. Well, that's about, the thing. Yeah, but there's some like, people who display it too fucking hard. Okay. They like they push it so hard that it's like they want to. Hey, look at me on the and they're just doing the same thing. Fucking shitty white people do who God, are, I want to just say names right now. <laughs> I, I you do can too, name but, names. I don't care. No, people. I don't want to. I don't want to. We're not going to. Oh, you don't want to get flat well, that's from the thing. I'm a, I'm a very liberal guy. I am okay. very open-minded. I, I don't need to fucking pat myself in the I closed my bit. That's my current closing bit is my, I have a bit about stop signs and people putting, yeah, making I stop like that rape, bit too. That's stop good. Stop signs, which is mm-hmm. a very anti-rape yep. bit or whatever. I mean, it's just something that fucking annoys me to see rape on a stop sign. It's stupid and it's pointless and it's not helpful at all. I think the only thing... And that, some fucking dude carved out the letters rape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that you accomplish by putting, stenciling the word rape onto a stop sign is ruining the day of someone who's been raped. That's all. Yeah. Like, you, oh, someone's getting over it and like, oh, oh yeah, I was raped four years ago. Thanks a lot, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think, though. That's all I think is you're accomplishing. If only there had been that sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've been, I've been, I do that bit, but like, I don't expect fucking people to fucking applaud for me. There's certain comedians white fucking straight males who like they think that it's their job to save the minorities or whatever it is and it's just it's so fucking yeah. disgusting no it is they take that job as chief they're just like okay guys don't worry I'll handle this and I'm like oh you're doing the same thing the guy you're fighting against right. from 200 you're, years ago you're no. totally doing like, that you're still maintaining that control and not like you need a white male to handle this I happen to be your guy yeah yeah that's a fucking thing and then they cut the sleeves off their shirt and then they I had a very, uh, I feel like it was an eye-opening, or Black Lives Matter really caught on in, like, the yeah, last year, Ross right? <laughs> yeah, Tim Ross, the guy we toured with, like, he's been very passionate about that, and he did it right. He did, he, like, he gets on Facebook about that, and, like, when... But Tim, he's, like, he's, a, he's basically an internet celebrity, though. It's very different from him than this. Well, it is, no, okay. he's, he's very sincere about everything, and he's not a douchebag about what he does. <laughs> yeah. Tim but, is not, Tim's So a, our very yeah. close friend, Tim Ross, part of the race of the Comic Con tour... Is uh, he has a lot of urban influence material because okay. he grew up and he grew up in a black environment. He's a white guy, but uh, he's also a mild internet celebrity. Mm-hmm. He's very famous on Reddit. He uh, has he has a couple of videos that have a couple hundred thousand views on okay. on YouTube, or whatever. He's 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 becoming he's making his own name, but not doing it intentionally. He's just that fucking likable. Yeah, that okay. people just fucking he, he doesn't work. He's a piece of shit, and he all he does is post on Reddit, and people right, fucking love him. He's, Tim Ross, Tim Ross, Tim Ross, Tim Ross, at Tim Ross comedy. One of the best, one of the most genuine and talented joke writers okay. in Pittsburgh by far. And Neil will definitely agree with that. Definitely. He's incredible, and he's very Jeez. genuine, and he's very, very thoughtful. And uh, he does the whole Black Lives Matter thing. He just, he'll just keep posting it. Sometimes he just posts that, that hashtag, and that's mm-hmm. it. But he's been doing it for months and months and months. He's alienated himself. He's alienated a lot of people in his family, but people don't understand why a white guy from the suburbs of Pittsburgh gives a shit, gives a shit. about this particular issue. And uh, it's very clear because he's very influenced by black culture. He's very influenced by hip hop. He's very influenced by all those things. And he's seeing because he's immersed himself in it. He sees the injustices yeah. that happen, but he's doing it in a very uh, thoughtful, mindful. He's not looking for accolades. He's earnest. He's not putting. He's not putting, he's not putting himself like, up on yeah. a pedestal. He's right. just saying this. He's exposing this to the white community that may or may not 
think it's a real thing, and that's a much more admirable position to take than to be like, I'm a white guy, don't rape women. Everyone applaud for me. Which is what some people fucking do. Did you close on that tonight? I did. (laughs) So I saw... I was waiting for the roses, and I I wanted to take a bow. Yeah, it's the wrong crop. I have a whole bit that says, don't rape women. I'm a genius. Right. I want to buy a pack of smokes. <laughs> the the people of uh, uh, the people who organized Black Lives Matter here in Minneapolis, which is has gotten some attention. Have for, you seen black activism. people in Minneapolis? Have I seen them? Yeah, there are black people in Minnesota. Yes, no, there are black people here. I know. We that. are one of the most white communities in the country, though. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, one of the most white well, municipalities. Part of the yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 93%. So we were in Detroit, like where it was weird to see another white person. Right. And we were in Chicago, which is obviously a huge urban area, but we were in a yeah. very white part of town, which right. was very funny to me, because I was like, there's so many white people in Chicago. I yeah. Be more They're just, like, things about walking Chicago. dogs with track jackets on. <laughs> <laughs> we were such a fucking... <laughs> Pretentious part of Chicago, <laughs> but then we were in Eau Claire, where it was clearly the only white. Wow, we were in such yeah. a white part of town, a part of the country in Eau Claire. And yeah. I show us on Eau Claire. There was an Asian person in the audience, and I called him out. I'm like, "Are you the guy that they they bring to the show to make everyone feel better about their white guilt? I don't understand why you're here." <laughs> and no one liked that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he go? I'm not Asian. What are you talking about? No, he's very we don't all look alike. No, when the <laughs> he was yeah. a wax model actually. <laughs> John was model. really embarrassed. How upsetting is that? Like, who drags a wax model along to the comedy show? When Black Lives Matter was organizing here in Minneapolis, I saw a photograph at one of the meetings. They had this wonderful sign that was like, "White people at our organizing meeting." Please be mindful about how much space you're taking up. <laughs> and that's what it boiled down to. And I realized that that's, that is a thing we absolutely do as white people. It's just oh, definitely. like stretch out, take up space, take time. When we, when we want to say something in a meeting, it's like, well, I have something to contribute. Yeah, yeah. Just like you talked about, I'm the man for the job, right? You need a white person to do this job, and I'm the guy for it. You said that. I thought that was... Did I? Yeah, you did <laughs> five minutes what? ago. Five minutes ago, you said that. Did I? <laughs> Jokingly, yeah. Yeah, you were... The, I don't even remember. You were making a lampoon of the of No, the you are imitating guy. the guy that... Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, you weren't. You weren't. You weren't saying that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the that's the thing that I felt like was very eye opening for me was which is white people love to just fucking take up space. It's very no, difficult. It's definitely. Difficult. And so like white hey, liberals, <laughs> white liberals <laughs> love to take up. I challenge every white man in America to literally and very uh, genuinely. Think about their white privilege, and I have it, and I love it. It's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. the best thing. But to be aware of it, like I didn't really become aware of it until so I really started doing stand-up comedy. You get involved mm-hmm. in these things, and you want to be a certain kind of medium, and so you get involved in, in those kind of thought processes. To put my white privilege in check and to make fun of it and to be aware of it um, has been very eye-opening for me. Like to, mm-hmm. to understand, like it, just how much I'm given. 
And I'll never give it back. I don't give a fuck no, about it back. No. Like, I just, I'm aware of it. I feel like that makes me better than most The people. thought I had in it, too. Like, <laughs> we, <laughs> well, the thing is, we do this tour. Like, we, we, John and I, we're two white guys. We hop in a car. We're going state to state. And, like, in you a lot of... let us crash in our houses. That's fine. Yeah, but, like, it's like... if I don't think it'd be the same if we were two black dudes. I Probably really don't. Not, no. It would not be the same. Like, it definitely... It, it actually wouldn't be the same. It yeah. took you two weeks to book 17 days. Yeah, so no right? time at all. So weird right? As a... If you were two black dudes, it would take who you... Knows? Maybe it would take you three weeks to book... To book three shows in Three days. days. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who fucking knows? You know who knows? Is black guys, maybe we should be asking them. That's a very yeah. good question. I'd be very curious. I don't know if there's a lot of black people. And black... The difference between black comedy and, I don't know, in Minneapolis. Is there a different scene between black comedy and white comedy in Minneapolis? Because it definitely is in Pittsburgh. There's a little bit, but there are uh, enough guys now in our scene who are, who are black, who are really, really skilled at working both sides of that. That line. Those are so, the comics in Pittsburgh that I definitely I would consider friends and I'd get along with the yeah. most. The ones, the black comedians who definitely cross over to both. The one, the black comedians who only do black shows or black audiences, mm-hmm. I don't relate to fucking at all. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different world. I'm not telling anybody anything that no, I already know. No, you're just saying the truth, which is that you uh, don't it's a whole different world. Like, I'm, I don't do well in un- ultimately black mm-hmm. uh, rooms. Uh, I, I have a few bits, but like. There's a whole different world of black comedy and white comedy in Pittsburgh. I'm assuming it's like that in a lot of bigger cities all around the country. Yeah. And uh, I think that sucks. I think but, I think it sucks too. But I think that's also... Um, I mean, there's something to be said about the for us, by us model of <laughs> like doing business or living your life, which is, you know, it would be nice if we would all, quote-unquote, get all get along. On the other hand, if... If that's what people want, I'm not going to stand in the way of that sort of thing. I've noticed, and it doesn't matter what race it is, if it's black or if it's uh, Asian or if uh, Indian or whatever, the people who, the comedians who stick to those premises, if you're a black comedian who only sit to black premises, if you're an Indian comedian who only sit to Indian comedians, you are, in my personal experience, are not that great of a comedian. That's been my experience. If you're if you're a female comedian who only talks about female stuff, mm-hmm. if you're a you know a white comedian, I don't know, who talks about fucking owning the world all the time. I don't know what the fuck that would be guys talking thing. about. But no, like, we just but we do it like we're swimming through water. I don't like comedians who have a crutch of if it, if it's ethnicity, if it's gender, if it's you're gay, if you're a mm-hmm. whatever. And I know this is probably maybe not okay for me to say as a white guy, but like. As a comedian, I think you need to be able to relate to a, a broad bunch of people. And the ones who cross over, because I, I mean, I, I do my best, but I, I don't very much. But the ones who cross over, I think, are the best comedians. Mm. You have your Kevin Hart's or whatever. You have your Dave Chappelle's. You have your, uh, you have your Louis C.K.'s and you have your those guys. The guys who just, like, everyone in the fucking world can relate to what they're saying. And I think that's a skill that the very few comedians have. And uh, those are the ones I respect probably the most. And you know my memory of your jokes that I've heard, yeah. it isn't. I don't. I don't remember you saying anything that was like specifically focused yeah. at at being. I'm from an Indian background. Here's my stuff. What What do you think about that statement that John? No, no I, about? I agree with it. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I think that is a crutch that you know a lot of people use, and it's an easy laugh because it's a forced laughter. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? 
No, as in like you know, you you're, you're you're putting your identity in front of your joke. Like you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's also a source of pandering. <laughs> yeah. If you're a black comedian in front yeah. of a black crowd telling black jokes, is there an easier laugh to get? If you're Carlos Mencia yeah. in South Central LA telling jokes about being a Latino, yeah. then who gives a shit? Because that's the easiest thing in the fucking world. Look at to that do. show we did. In, uh, what was it? Saint to Louis be Michigan. fair, he stole all those jokes yeah. from other Latinos. It's like example. asking someone on the sidewalk, "What's your opinion about this?" and you just give your opinion, or you say, "Wait a minute, I'm Indian, and my opinion about this is," and then it's like, "Why did you have to say that?" Like, you know what I mean? But I would love to hear somebody do that, though, like you know, aggressively insert themselves. Weird, and all of a sudden right. you're like, you know, focus on me for a second, not listen to what I have to say about these flowers. Like, motherfucker, oh, I'm about the flowers. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, so that's, yeah, and I agree with that 100%. Okay. You know? And I found myself in that difficult situation too, doing com- comedy. Uh, like, why uh, don't you talk about not, your yeah, not because, no, not because I, uh, I specifically talk about my background, but like, you know, even reaching for topics like race and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, because generally you tend to be. You know, in in, in a in, in a community where there's not many other Indian people around, you know what I mean, and then and then you know you like yeah, and you you know you tend to feel like oh if I reach for race it's okay, race is oh, even yeah, as a general yeah. topic because I, you know I can say something funny about it, and I do it. I'm not joking. <laughs> I mean I, I'm not saying I don't. No. But I've had that internal like thought in, inside like you know I've I've actually I've actually gone to open mic saying five minutes no race material at all yeah like I, I told myself like nothing don't even reach for it don't I'm, sure, I'm not sure that that's saying a, don't talk about it yeah, you yeah. no but but, but 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 when you bring out that topic that's not, like internally that but it that's the motivation is similar to what he said is the comedians who can reach to a very broad community and and and, and can 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 uh, connect with people Maybe but, it's also ha- but also keep the level of intelligence yeah. Yeah. and poignancy up where because you can be a hack and relate to a bunch of people. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know what I'm talking about. No, 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 on the other exactly hand, that. on the other hand, like a white guy almost never has to tell himself. Yeah. Has no internal or external pressure yeah. telling him, Okay, no race material at this open mic tonight. Like a white guy, that's that's white privilege. That. Some of us should. <laughs> some of us should. I've been guilty of that. I don't think I ever told him. Yeah. Like, but well, but that's one yeah, of the things about white uh, privilege is that we can just turn it off or ignore it if we want to. Yeah. Yeah. We don't yeah, even have to have that internal conversation. Yeah. It's like no race material tonight. That's never a problem. You yeah. know what I always find? What I find interesting though is when when a member of any race. Uh, well, again, that's, I don't know, because that, that probably contradicts itself in what you were saying about the white comics, but, you know, when you see a black comic defend another race, as, as a, like, you know, when I, see, if I see a black comic, like, defend, like, um, and I don't think Indian people in the United States need any defense because Indian people in the United States are not suffering. So, I'm, <laughs> so that's one thing I always tell myself. Like, you know, if I go up on... Actually, you know, I, sometimes as an Indian comic, I feel like if I go on stage and I talk about how Indian people are suffering, I'm like, no, nah, it's not happening in the U.S. Indian people are suffering elsewhere. There's, yeah. there's, there's things India, happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't think in the U.S., the, you know, just being white-collar professionals... They're really the focus of discrimination. So, oh. you know, I mean, petty discrimination is one thing. Being a victim oh. of 
like just ideals that have been molded over mm-hmm. over years and systemic black systemic racism you know so now that you know now if you see if, if for some reason a black comic comes and starts defending the Indian community for some reason now that's just absolute that's like amazing <laughs> like, yeah. we don't even need that but I mean no because no I, I what if I really did what I really if some black no, racism, no, I just, feel like racism has lost itself in today's day and age like just it's become such a confusing topic mm. people just call anything racism like you know I mean they, you know, people say things like oh he said I'm good at math that's racist that's no, not racist it's a compliment actually <laughs> like you know what I mean like you know, that kind of thing like you know people just reach for anything as racism but you know but, but when you see like you know things happen where where, where, where a group of people you know actually like, if, if, like that, that thing you just brought up about two black comics trying to get on the road yeah that's I mean that, that's 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 reality right there I think I don't I don't think any community suffers as much as the black community when it comes to something like that oh, in America yeah, in America I think that's yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, true exactly and, and you know what? Which what also makes it super weird, right? Because we have so much wealth yeah. as a country. Yeah. They like to focus all this rage and poverty and injustice on one community. So, you know, like they talk about the Irish being oh, the black I people. To, I forgot of, to do a joke tonight. Shit. Did you, did you forget one? <laughs> Stop the fuck. No, 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 no. I'm dating. No, I forgot to do I want to start working on I'm dating a half black woman. Okay. But she doesn't look half black. And I'm, I'm but I, so I don't get any street cred for dating her. So I want to, I want to start carrying a picture of her father and her ass to prove that she's black. <laughs> <laughs> But but I I, I think also like, no no it's very important that I interrupted you to tell that yeah joke. that was <laughs> no, 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 no. it was a good joke yeah. Yeah, keep going. maybe not an interruption no, that's a good joke, joke. Yeah. no 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 but I I think that 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 is uh, another thing is you know you realize the black community in the United States is the only community that that does not have anything to reach reach for to brag about their heritage every other community has a story. They're completely oh. detached from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every other, heritage, every other story is like my Irish grandparents. African heritage, which yeah. is rich and amazing. Uh, yeah. But the a- African Americans, I agree with you, uh, couldn't be more detached. Patrice O'Neill had a great yeah. joke about how Africans don't like yeah. black people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a great joke. He's like, no, Africans don't like black people. <laughs> but <laughs> so they're not funny. detached. They're not <laughs> detached well, yeah. from it. They've had it broken by yeah. an external force. But they didn't what? have that story of like every community has a story of that hard-working great-grandfather. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then no one yeah. has that story. Even Mexican, Indian, you name it, everyone has got that story of yeah, that Korean, person. whatever. Okay, right? yeah, wait. Well, there's yeah. a point of pride. I've never met a black person who says, I drank so much, you know, it's my roots in Sierra Leone. Yeah. Like, no one says that, like, you know what I mean? Like, people are like, oh, he's the Irish in me. Like, you know what I mean? People say those things. Uh, you never be totally hear. drunk and say it's the Irish in me. But, <laughs> but that's, you're that's not an amazing see, point. You're not going to be totally reach. drunk and go, it's yeah. the Cote d'Ivoire in me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. A lot of blue-collar jobs, like, my whole life. Okay. And, like, there's all those guys, like, I've worked with a lot of white guys. And a lot of white guys with opinions. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, really, and you don't have the right opinion. But the thing is, it's those same guys who, who there's that stereotype that black people don't work. They're lazy. Right? And they don't want to work. But those same guys who say that won't hire those guys. <laughs> it's always blown my fucking mind. I'm like, how the fuck do you know? Like, I, I mean, I've heard so many racist things in my life. Like, I've I've heard more racist things than a black guy in the forties. 
granted, I grew up in a small town. I'm an ignorant white guy. I grew right. up with almost all white. Like, yeah, almost all white people. And uh, we went to the city, like, you know, last couple of years. Like, I've, I made friends who aren't white. And it's just like, I'm not trying to be this liberal crusader. but No, guys, but it's a, new experience. <laughs> it's a new experience. For but it, it definitely is. But I, instead of being ignorant about it, like, for the people who I grew up with, I decided, like, hey... Maybe instead of hating something, somebody, maybe maybe learn something. You know, you know, a lot of people don't uh, don't set the bar real high there. It sounds so dumb. Anytime yeah. a white guy tries to justify anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but you know, but you know, but, I, mean, I, I will, I will, like you know, it, like you were talking about Tim Ross earlier. And yeah. yeah. It, it, when it comes from a place of honesty, you know it. When it comes, oh, when you yeah. when you're just trying to grab for attention. You just want to be the person who wants to be known to have certain opinions. Yeah. That that you know, that you don't necessarily need to be white for that. You could be anything. Maybe the maybe the white race is placed well for that kind of well, taking definitely. advantage like, of it. Yeah. But I, you know, there are white comics. Bill Burr well, has hey. race material that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Louis C.K. has race material that's amazing because it's candid. Well, hey, it's, if some it, guy yeah. from India would have discovered yeah. fake India back in '42. <laughs> <laughs> We live in a different world right now. Indians uh, just discount motels and giving you half orange juice, half water out of the dispenser. <laughs> I've seen that shit. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I stayed at a motel in Staples, Minnesota when I first came to Minnesota. And it was an Indian guy who's been out of India for 37 years. He even forgot, like, last names in India, you know which part is from. He asked me whether I'm from his part of India. I said, dude, oh, you should know this. Should and next know. morning I woke up for breakfast, there were stale muffins, and the freaking orange juice dispenser was half water, half Orange just half a second. I could, I could see like transparent fluid. I was like, dude, are you doing this shit out here? And every Minnesotan that walked by, he was telling him life story. I moved here 37 years ago. It was, it was very hard. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> like it got stronger. His accent got stronger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Any people. Okay. <laughs> it is any people. I remember the story. It was the first time we were on tour, I think. We stopped at a truck stop. Yeah. And I was in the parking lot. Everybody else went into the store. It was a truck stop with, like, a a pizza place, like a Burger King and all that stuff. Yeah. And I see this fucking family get out of the car. And they were just, like, overweight, just fucking white trash people. And they get out. And one girl goes, hey, let's go to Esparo. 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 truck stop pizza place. Right, right. And the, one, the dad goes... The fuck is that Spanish? <laughs> and no one was like, I don't know. And they're like, Yeah, we're going to fucking Burger King, and I'm pretty sure that represents everything uh, about America. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's end this podcast. Thank you guys for coming out. For do we solve racism? I think we solved we, it. Right? No, <laughs> good, right? uh-uh. It's no. totally good now. The Arts and Crafts podcast does not uh, advocate for the solution to racism. Arts and Crafts. Well, no, we didn't do it on purpose, but we definitely solved it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, no, be funny. I think, I think it was really weird up top. <laughs> well, okay, can I, can I just say one thing? I one, a scenery, should, this is art. I saw this in real life, okay? I was uh, in Wisconsin. I was with a comedian, a black comedian. We were, you know, uh, in a small town, and uh, apparently the small town is a lot of Mexicans. Name names. There. Which small yeah, town is it? This is Independence, Wisconsin. Okay. Right? Oh. Right? And uh, a lot of Mexicans are apparently moving in. This bar we were doing comedy at, right next door, there's this, this general store, just a grocery store with Mexican flags all over the place. I'm like, even I was like, damn, the Mexicans are moving in. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, but the, the bar we went to was an all-white crowd. <coughs> I stepped out to have a cigarette. As soon as I walk in, the headliner, black comedian, 
uh, he's standing in the middle of a group of, of white people just around him and they were all telling him that it, it, was, it, it looked like a, like a portrait, like a painting, like, you know? <laughs> they were all just, as soon as I walked in, they said, the Mexicans, they're just coming in. And I said, wow, 2015, small town white people are complaining to a black guy about how the Mexicans are moving. <laughs> <laughs> they, they found a new, oh, they wow, found a new America. Hello. <laughs> <Yes>. So I just, <laughs> so, that's <no>. <laughs> It's cool. We're going to channel it through this guy. Because he's cool now. Focus on this guy. <laughs> He'll understand. Yeah. So. Well, hey, thanks for having us, man. Thanks, guys. It was fun. I appreciate it a lot. Catch the white coffin comedy tour. I mean, the <laughs> race to the coffin comedy tour coming to a town near you. Hello listeners, it's John Stark. I hope you had as much fun as I did, or maybe half as much fun as I did, listening to my conversation with Jesse and John and Anil. I am very appreciative of the members of the Race to the Coffin comedy tour. You gotta check out their shows. Uh, You can check out their website or get to know them on Facebook. That's Race to the Coffin. Speaking of websites, I want you to come check out my new site, johnstarkjokes.com. That's J-O-N, starkjokes.com. Actually, all my websites now point to that one. So if you're an arts and crafts listener, you can go to artsandcrafts.biz and that will take you to my website, If you've heard of my old, old podcast, The Noonday Demon, you can check that out on the website as well. I'm also really delighted to be offering my one-man show, The Insufferable Spiteness of Beaver. A video download of that show is available on my website for $2. That's just $2. I would enjoy if you bought that show and watched it and told other people about it. I'm very proud of it, and I think it's a pretty good recording that we did at the Brian Lake Bowl Theater back in February. And of course, check out the website of my sponsor, geekiana.com, G-E-E-K-I-A-N-A, Geekiana. Get your geek on, literally, with Geekiana, the finest fan-created hand-printed artwork on very comfortable shirts, hoodies, scarves, and bags, specializing in Doctor Who-themed, Sherlock-inspired, Downton Abbey-inspired, and general geekery, including the one and only home of the map to Minnesota Geekery and the Nerdisota shirts. You gotta check those out. You can also get gift cards at geekiana.com. If you use the coupon code CRASS, you'll save 20%. That's how it works when you're getting sponsored. Thanks for downloading. Feel free to review the show if you like. 
and keep coming back. Arts and crafts in real, real time. Real Deploying well-honed research methodologies and industry best practices. This is Focus Group.